Are you a fan of the Mommy Wines podcast? Well, of course you are, or you wouldn't be hearing this right now. One of the best ways to support the show you love, besides obviously tuning in every Wine Wednesday for new episodes, is shopping the Mommy Wines merch store on teespring.com. This is where you'll find all of the Mommy Wines branded goodness, mugs to hold your coffee over cardio morning java, iPhone and Samsung cases, premium ultra soft hoodies perfect for upcoming cooler months, and of course flowy teas and tanks flattering on every mommy out there. Go shop the Mommy Wine storefront on teespring.com and make sure to use code WINEMOM for free shipping. The Mommy Wines podcast is a Mommy Wines Network and Emma Don production. Brought to you by Coffee Over Cardio, NakedWines.com, and Zaya Active. In this two-part episode of the Mommy Wines podcast, motherhood and lifestyle YouTuber and Instagrammer Megan from Loving Life as Megan opens up about her experiences with postpartum anxiety and depression. This is a topic that touches roughly 20% of new mothers on a deep level. Baby blues, postpartum depression, and postpartum anxiety, along with all other forms of mental illness, should be taken seriously. Self-care and mental health isn't selfish or greedy, it's necessary. As always, I share these episodes to spread awareness and show support for other mothers and women. I hope that only love, support, and positivity will come out of Megan being brave enough to open up honestly about her experience in the efforts to help other mothers who are suffering from similar issues. If you or someone you know is suffering from postpartum mental health issues, please don't be afraid to get help. You can also visit www.postpartum.net. I would rather be back in those days than be where I'm at now because because I didn't know that postpartum anxiety was even a thing and I did not have any anxiety issues prior to this happening so I don't even know I didn't even know how to identify anxiety before oh really um yeah so I had no idea and I was just thinking like I don't that it was normal but it wasn't and then it because it went like undiagnosed, untreated in any way, it just started ramping up to the point where like, not only was I checking on her breathing, but I was, I was having paranoid anxiety. Um, so I was like convinced that someone was either living in my attic or somewhere in my house or going to break into my house and kill my family. And it, and it went from like, just being worried about Sawyer dying to being worried about all of us dying. And if I wasn't worried about that, then I was worried that the house was going to burn down or something was going to happen. And at this point I was still working full time. So I would go to work and I was in a marketing position um, and I traveled a lot for work. So I would go to work and I would have to bring my makeup bag with me because I would have full-blown panic attacks in my car like completely ruining my makeup like just ridiculous because I'm going over it in my head like the house is going to burn down and if the house burns down how am I going to save both of my children and what if like you know and, and I would go through it and I can still like 
I can still think of it now. Like our house isn't that large. So I would just tell myself, like, I'm going to run to Sawyer's room first and pick her up and go right across to Kinsley's room and open the window in Kinsley's room and just kind of shove them both out the window. And that will, that will fix it. Like that'll be fine. And um, if like, if there's not enough time to do that, there's two of us, me and Derek. So I'll go to one room, he'll go to one room and we'll just get them out the windows in their respective rooms. And that would be fine. And then I would start panicking because I would say that's too simple. Like that's too simple of a solution that I'm missing something. Like, what is it that I'm missing? What is it that I'm not thinking of? Like what scenario am I not thinking of that would prevent that from being like how I would save them. And I would start working up and freaking out. And then I do that all day long, like with that scenario and other scenarios, Every day when I dropped them off, Kinsley to um, school, she was in kindergarten at the time, and Sawyer to her daycare, I would be convinced that that was the last time I was ever going to see my kids. Oh, my God. And so I would panic all day long, and then I'd come home and pick them – well, I'd pick them up and bring them home every day and just be a mess thinking, like, somebody – got into the house while I was at work and they're here and they're just waiting for their opportunity. I would not sleep at night because I would be like either staring at the bathroom doors or staring at our attic door, just waiting to see that person that had to be there. Um, And so like the, the insomnia was intense, which a lot of people don't know this, but insomnia is a symptom of anxiety. Yeah. Um, so I would go through all of that and it, it got to a point where I, Derek and I were going out on a date one night, our first date since Sawyer had been born and in the car on the way to the restaurant, I just broke down and I was like, I think that I'm schizophrenic and I think that like, I need to be committed or something because this is what's going on. And uh, I hadn't yet, I hadn't yet talked to my doctor about it. So I didn't know that it could be anxiety or anything else. And I was so scared. I was like, if I tell anybody this, like, even if I tell my doctor, what if he wants to commit me and then I won't see my kids anymore? Or what if they want to take the kids or like, you know, what, what is the game plan for this? Yeah. And eventually um, I did tell my doctor and eventually meaning like that same week I made the appointment (laughs) I made the appointment I told my doctor he gave me a psych referral and um it was officially diagnosed as postpartum anxiety so what did your husband say when you told him he was so supportive really oh my gosh yes he was just like I'm I still love you. Like, it's okay. We're going to figure it out together. We're going to handle it together. Um, It, you know, just, just for the record, it was definitely not schizophrenia. I wasn't having, (laughs) I had, I wasn't having like um, auditory delusions or anything like that, which is what schizophrenia was. Like I wasn't hearing voices or, or anything. Um, Nothing was telling me to harm myself or my kids or anything like that. I was just like, I was just, it was paranoid anxiety. Um, So, but no, he was like, he was on it. He's like, the kids aren't going to be taken. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen to them. Nothing's going to happen to you. Like, we're going to get through it and we're just going to do what we have to do and then you'll be fine. Um, And he's still, he's still like that. So when I went to 
the referral, uh, well, when I first approached my doctor and then to the referral, the symptoms that I was talking about were the paranoid thoughts, um, the panic attacks, which were obvious, the not letting people like touch my kids or be around my kids, not wanting to socialize in general, distancing myself from my friends and family, and extreme irritability, which is another thing that people don't know is a symptom of anxiety, but like extreme irritability where I could be completely fine. And then the smallest thing will just set me off and I'm screaming and yelling at everybody and just like freaking out. Um, so that led to my diagnosis. Um, and then from there, my doctor was basically like, uh, we don't have very many options, but you have let it go to the point where like you could be committed. So we need to like, lessen the stress in your life because that was something that would instigate it too is I had such a tight schedule that even if like five minutes like waking up five minutes late ruined my whole day um, as far as like my schedule went and then I was like extra stressed which would leave me extra susceptible to an anxiety attack and stuff so what we decided was that I was going to have to quit my job, that the anxiety had become debilitating and I needed to go from being a working mom to a stay at home mom, which was hard for me because while that like is something that some women dream of and like all the power to them and all the credit to them, it is so difficult to be a stay at home mom. It was just not something I ever saw for my life. So it was a very humbling experience. So I quit my job. It helped a little bit. Um, for for a whole list of reasons, medication isn't really an option for me. So uh, I couldn't be medicated and I just had to basically do therapy. And um, we talked to Derek about like what the red flags are, how to handle it, curb it, like um, like more natural uh, preventative measures. I have to be like incredibly self-aware um, and practice being self-aware and being able to identify things and just all kinds of stuff. But anyway, this is a very long story. Don't let the holiday treats slow you down. Zaya Active has your back. Well, your backside that is. With premium activewear from Zaya Active, you'll be set to crush your health and wellness goals even if you surrender to a few holiday cravings. Zaya Active's most popular items are their joggers and the light and tight leggings. Both are ideal for colder weather. The light and tights are made of the highest quality sweat wicking, breathable, compressive, quick drying, and squat proof materials. And from now through the holidays, I am extending my rep discount to every one of my listeners. That's right. 25% off your order now through the holidays. So cross off the activewear lover on your list and use the savings to treat yourself at myzaya.com backslash Amazon. And DM me on Instagram to place your order with my 25% off rep discount now through the holidays. Once again, that's myzaya.com backslash Amazon. M-Y-Z-Y-I-A.com backslash Amadon. That that's what made me uh, start sharing it is that I was going through all of these things. Um, and first, I didn't even start sharing it on Instagram first. What happened is because of all of that, like, of course, feeling that way, my mind is a mess. Yeah. So 
so my house reflected it. It went from like my house being in pristine condition, ready for guests all the time to being a complete wreck, like just overly cluttered and chores not getting done and stuff like that. It was like a physical manifestation of my anxiety. So that I started my YouTube channel for that reason, to keep myself accountable that if I have to film myself cleaning my house and decluttering my house and stuff, then um, if, if I have to film myself doing that, that means I have to keep the house clean or I have to at least clean it a few days a week. <laughs> so it won't be this complete disaster every single day for my family. So I started uploading to my YouTube channel for that. And I would get questions in the comments or um, I did a couple of Q&A videos on my channel where people would ask me, you know, why did you start your channel? And I told them, I was very honest. I was like, I developed debilitating postpartum anxiety and my house was a mess because of that. And so I started my channel to keep myself accountable for my house to not be a mess. And every time I would talk about it on YouTube, I would get people that would find me on Instagram and message me and be like, what is postpartum anxiety or what do you mean? I think I have those same symptoms. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. And I think it's being diagnosed. I've heard, you know, like people say like, oh, everybody has anxiety nowadays. But I think it's not everybody. I think everybody has anxious moments. Like there's always going to be like that instinct of like fight or flight. So everyone experiences anxiety, but I think there's more people who have like struggles with it or coping with it, managing it. Some of someone might have like a heightened sense of anxiety, or maybe somebody just like is perfectly capable of navigating those anxious feelings, like, you know, without tripping and falling. Mm -hmm. That unfortunately is not me. Um, (laughs) I'm an anxious wreck. But, um, I don't know. I just think like when people talk about it and people share their experiences with it, it inspires other people to talk about it and share their experiences with it. So I don't think like all of a sudden, you know, every millennial has anxiety. I think it's just becoming more aware of it. That's exactly what happens. That's because you like really hit the nail on the head because like what I was saying with mentioning on YouTube, I would get messages. So then I would like started creating posts on Instagram. And at first they were those like pretty filtered, um, well thought out, like written and rewritten and rewritten before published type of posts that I was talking about before. Uh, and then I just decided one day, like, that's not enough. If I'm going to share it and talk about it, then I'm going to be so realistic and transparent that it hurts or I'm not going to do it at all. So I started creating these posts where I was, I was doing that. I was saying like, I, uh, I looked at my five-year-old today and screamed in her face and I feel awful, like so (laughs) guilty about it. I apologized to her later, but I was having an anxiety attack and it came out as an angry outburst and like this is a symptom of anxiety and so if you experience these things too know that you're not alone or I've talked about 
um, the insomnia before and stuff. Like I don't post every single day about it, but when it gets really bad, I start posting. Um, I talk in my stories about it and say like, I go through periods of time where I'm on my Instagram stories a lot. And then I go through periods of time where you don't see my face at all. And usually I'll tell people like, you haven't seen me because I'm an anxious mess. And like, this is what's going on. And as I started sharing those things, every like every single time I share anything about my anxiety, I get floods of DMs. So many that it's impossible to keep up with of people saying like, I experienced the same thing or I'm so scared to talk about it. I haven't even told my friends and family yet because I'm afraid of what they're going to think. What's going to happen to me? Am I going to be committed? Which were all fears that I had myself. Yeah. Um, but But it also proves that like, if you can talk to me, a complete stranger on an Instagram DM and tell me like the most vulnerable things about yourself and your life, just because you're so desperate to be able to relate to someone, um, which that's sad, like that, that you have to resort to that, like confiding in a complete stranger who has opened up saying like they experienced those same things before you can confide in anyone in your actual life because you're terrified. It just shows that there's not enough awareness about it. Yeah. And as as many people that DM me that say, oh my gosh, I have these same symptoms and like maybe I should be seen to see if I have the same diagnosis. Like I didn't even know that that was a thing. I didn't even know it existed. I was that same person. Like here I am taking all of these measures to prevent against postpartum depression, not even knowing that postpartum anxiety existed and was separate from postpartum depression. And I mean, it was, it's like, it's just insane. So you're completely correct in that it's not that it's trending to have anxiety or any mental health um, issues or illnesses. It's just that they were not talked about before and now they're talked about. And so more people feel comfortable saying like, I experienced that too, or identifying that they experienced that too, and maybe they should get some help. Yeah. The holidays are fast approaching, and what would make a better gift for the wine lover in your life, or even maybe yourself, than a NakedWines.com wine box? I have loved trying the NakedWines.com wines, and my taste palette has definitely become more sophisticated. Plus, All the wines from NakedWines.com are crafted by independent, passionate winemakers, not big label brands that have more additives in their bottles than actual wine itself. Get a NakedWines.com wine box delivered, filled with wines made with love directly to your door this holiday season. Use code MOMMYWINES50 to get six bottles for only $34.99. That's MOMMYWINES50 to get six bottles of wine for only $34.99 from NakedWines.com. Or you can go ahead and click the link in the show notes below. So you did mention that keeping yourself accountable, uploading on your YouTube channel, but what are some other ways that like you're coping with these? Because you said you're not medicated. Um, and I right. am. I'm not fond of pharmaceutical drugs, but... <laughs> I'm currently, um, you know, I'm taking medication for my anxiety and it's because here where I live in Utah, I was going through a, um, like a custody battle and my son's dad tried to use my anxiety against me. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so there that's was awful so- by the way yeah. i am oh yeah so so sorry for you he's a bag that of was- dicks he sucks yeah but, <laughs> um yeah so like there was nothing besides you know making changes to my diet um that i could really do that was like outside of you know like having a doctor's written note because my doctor had to like write a note to the court saying that like I'm still able to take care of my child. <laughs> I'm not right. like a crazy person. But which and that's something too like on its own that um people just don't they just don't understand like if you haven't experienced it and I was one of those people I will fully admit like because I had never experienced any kind of anxiety before I was one of those people that was just like suck it up you're fine like people do life every day why are you like bedridden can't leave your house can't go to social anything like why are you so worried why are you a helicopter person in general not even always helicopter parent um and it's like it's disgusting that I ever felt that way or thought that way or talked that way having now experienced it like but in unless you do experience it you just can't grasp it and yeah and it's so sick when people will try to use it against you like what you're you're talking about with your son's father like that is it's deplorable that he that he would even think that that's on the table to to come at you with like that's just insane but um I can't take medication. Uh, I, because of my previous depression issues, I had been medicated quite a few times when I was an adolescent, teenager, and an early adult. Um, and a lot of anxiety medications that are available are also antidepressants. Uh, so I had been medicated a few times in my life for those other um, issues. And every single time, no matter what the medication was, different brands, different dosages, anything, every single time I experienced the less than 1% of suicidal tendencies and um, like those symptoms for me. Um, And the one time that I did not experience suicidal tendencies as a result of the medication, what happened is it had me bedridden like I just could not stay awake and no matter how how much they lowered the dosage I just could not get out of my bed I couldn't function so my doctor is actually the one who said to me medication is not an option for you because we can't really play around with it and hope that you don't kill yourself (laughs) right and we we can't um we can't have you bedridden because you're staying at home you're the sole caretaker while your husband's at work for this infant at the time. And now like she's still a baby, you know, and I have a whole family here and I, you know, I have to be able to function. Um, And then aside from that, I'm also breastfeeding. So not a lot of medications are available for breastfeeding moms. Yeah. Um, I think the the ones, the one that I take, I had to be on a lower dose. It, he said it was safe. Um, but he said I did have to take like a smaller dose while I was breastfeeding and then it was readjusted after I stopped. But yeah, he's like, you well, don't and- have very many options if you're going to continue breastfeeding. And I had this yeah. whole thing in my head where I really wanted to breastfeed for at least 12 months. I didn't put like a ton of pressure on myself because you never know what's going to happen. But like that was like the goal. Um, 
and I'm well, congratulations <laughs> to you by the way that's like an amazing thing Thanks. to even be able to go like one hour breastfeeding I think it's oh. just it should be celebrated for everybody every milestone that they get to is just such a it's such a wonderful thing like I would nurse again if I had another kid but like I'm not gonna sit here and say that like it's fun because no. breastfeeding <laughs> <chicken> sucks <laughs> It's not for the faint of heart, that's for sure. Like, there's definitely a reason why six weeks is, like, the cutoff for most women. Like, it is it is hard. Oh, really? Is that, like, a common thing? Like, they'll, like, breastfeed for, like, the first six weeks? Or do they just give up because it's hard? Yeah, I think that – I think it's just in America the average age of weaning is, like, six weeks or 12 weeks or something like that. Um, And, yeah, it's because they just give up. Like, a lot of – a lot of women have a hard time uh, trusting that their body is making enough milk. Um, I had that. Like, that made me – like, I took Milo into the doctor so many times, like, outside of his wellness checks. Or, like, I would just stop in and, like, ask the nurse to weigh him. Yeah. Because, like, and she would. And, like, she didn't look at me like I was weird or anything. Because I'm like, okay, well, obviously I'm not the only person that's doing this. <laughs> yeah. But, like, and that's that's probably because of your anxiety, too. If I mean, Well, it's just really it's weird. Because, to... like, I, I did both. I pumped and I nursed. So, like, I was like frantic about having this like freezer stash because I was Mm -hmm. concerned that if I couldn't like breastfeed him then like I could at least give him a bottle of like breast milk Mm -hmm. because like the lactation consultant at the hospital was like okay well he's doing good now but if things change in a couple weeks you know don't she kept saying like don't get upset don't get upset you know because who knows like you could be in the hospital and your baby and you could be doing amazing and then a week later you go you know like you're at home and all of a sudden they don't want to latch or you know like whatever happens who knows what's going on inside your body but well and what happens too is like so I think that the six-week thing or the 12-week thing happens because at those times they go through physical growth spurts oh yeah and when they do they cluster feed so they're insatiable and a lot of women think that just means like their milk dried up or they're not making enough anymore and they need to give them formula and it couldn't be further from the truth no your baby's just a food disposal (laughs) yeah they're just telling your body like hey I'm growing make some more and so they do that for quite a few days and then um, the cluster feeding stops and because your body does, it's a supply and demand process. So they're just, dem- they're telling your body, Hey, I'm going to start demanding more. You need to make more. Um, and then the other thing too, is like, you know, there's just the marketing about pregnancy, postpartum and breastfeeding in general is so like terrible that it makes women think that like pregnancy is going to be a breeze it's such a beautiful thing it's going to be so fun and it is a beautiful thing and it's like it's it's an amazing thing but it's not always fun it's not always easy breezy and then postpartum it's like the same thing it's like instantly falling in love with your child and like this incredible like 
beautiful emotion and everything's just rainbow and butterflies and like you're going to be super mom and everything's going to be perfect because you've got this baby now and then same with breastfeeding it's like oh this is as nature intended and it's just like this natural thing which means it's an easy thing and that's that couldn't be further (laughs) from the truth it is as nature intended and it is a natural thing and it is a beautiful thing but it's a hard thing like yeah it's super you start hard. doing that and it hurts at first and no one is prepared for that no one knows that like it hurts until you're until you toughen up type of thing <laughs> and no one is prepared for like the cluster feeding because it's something that people don't talk about and the trusting your body and like you know, all of that, just people don't know because the marketing for it is awful. And then the formula industry came in and like, well, sprouted up, I guess, and just started this like formula is the same as breast milk. And so why not just do formula instead? Because this is easier. And it was also a socioeconomic thing at the time that like, you were the cream of the crop, like, only the, you know, I don't want to say rich people, but like you were, your family was well off if you could afford formula. Oh yeah. So it became this thing where women wanted to formula feed their babies because they associated it with like, you know, being higher up in the hierarchy of society and uh, which is how it was marketed, you know? And so there's just all of this, there's these alternatives now. So people don't. Yeah. They could always, they could afford the leisure of not having to breastfeed. Right. And it's just, it's, I mean, and I'm, I'm not like, I hope this doesn't come across as me um, talking down about formula feeding because I'm definitely a fed is best. You do what's right for yourself and your baby and your family. And there's tons of reasons why women can't or won't breastfeed and whatever your choice is, it's valid for your family. But see, when I, but, I yeah. was taking these classes, when I was pregnant with Milo and they were free at my local hospital, it was actually the hospital that I delivered him at. Mm-hmm. And they were like, I think eight or like 12 week classes where it covered everything from like pregnancy to toddlerhood. And before I had Milo, when I was still pregnant, I was like, I'm not cloth diapering. That's gross. How am I going <laughs> to clean my washing machine? And then I like did not want to have like a natural birth. I wanted all of the drugs. I wanted to just like schedule a C-section. I wanted them to like put me under, do what they had to do. And then like wake me up. Like it was getting my wisdom teeth removed. I thought breastfeeding was so weird. I'm like, I'm going to feel like a pervert. It's so weird. Why would a baby even want to do that? And then I had Milo and I'm like, I'm such an idiot. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, I, that's that's literally how I was. Well, I didn't take those classes. My my hospital didn't offer those classes, but I, I was the same. Not necessarily in exactly what I wanted, but in my thought process too. Like, I hadn't even considered breastfeeding prior to like midway through. I don't. I still don't even know like exactly what spurred the thoughts or like for me to make that decision but I didn't I didn't even think of it 
Like it what I didn't, to be quite honest, like it sounds kind of stupid, but for like the first half of my pregnancy, I didn't even know what breastfeeding was. Like I had never <laughs> been exposed to it at any other point in my life. So I didn't know that was an option. I'm just going through the motions thinking like, I'm just going to give my kid a bottle because every kid I've ever seen has just had a bottle. Yeah. Like I, just, I didn't even know. And and I was the opposite in that um, I was hell-bent and determined I was not having a C-section because I didn't want to have um, an epidural because I'm terrified of needles, which is so funny because if you've seen like some of my pictures on Instagram, you, you have know, so I'm... many tattoos. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I'm terrified of needles. So I wanted a completely natural birth because I didn't want to have um, an IV or uh, an epidural. So, which is like, when people hear me talk about how I had unmedicated deliveries and natural births, they, they almost like roll their eyes that I'm like one of those moms. But if you hear my reasoning for it, like, that's why I say, like, anybody's reasons for anything are valid. Yeah. And it, it had nothing to do with wanting to do the best for my body or for my baby. It had everything to do with avoiding the epidural because I'm terrified of the needle. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was. It was crazy. And it was a complete shock to me because I was induced with both of my girls. So when I went in um, to be induced with Kinsley, it was a complete shock to me that I had to have an IV. And it was the first time in my life that I was ever like aware of where I had to have an IV. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Well, you're already getting an IV. You might as well have just gotten the epidural. Are you a coffee lover just like me? Sipping my morning java is the only way I can keep up with my toddler and busy lifestyle. That's why I love Coffee Over Cardio. Coffee Over Cardio is a premium coffee company started by female entrepreneur Abby Scott. Whether you love a good flavored blend or a strong roast, Coffee Over Cardio is ideal for any jitterbug. They are also carb-free, keto-friendly, sugar-free, and gluten-free, so pretty much that means they're completely guilt-free. Try Coffee Over Cardio's most popular flavors today, French Toast and New Doctor's Orders Vanilla Hazelnut. Yum! <laughs> Make sure to use code 10 Don to save at checkout. Once again, that's 10 Don at coffeeovercardio.com. For me, like, so I had a really complicated delivery, mm-hmm. and I actually ended up getting an emergency C-section but my, I'm so sorry. Oh, it's, we're both fine. It's done and over. <laughs> it was just really stressful, but they came in and they gave me the IV and I feel like the IV, anytime you get an IV, it is so painful, no matter what, if you move your hand, whatever, it just is pressure and it hurts. <laughs> um, but then they came in and they gave me the epidural and they had to give it to me three times because Milo I was having a lot of back labor and he kept kicking it out of place. Oh. And at that point, like at the third time, and it would like last for like a half hour and then he'd kick it out of place at like the next contraction or whatever. And then it would be like, I'd just be like back in pain. And so we actually ended up getting um, an emergency C-section. And when they're like, they were like talking about it and they're like, if this baby keeps kicking this epidural out of place 
and I have like some back issues from a car accident. So it was hard for them to give it to me in the first place. Mm-hmm. The doctor's like, or the anesthesiologist is like, how are we going to give her a spinal tap? Like, what if the spinal tap doesn't take and the same thing happens? So they gave me like oxygen and this medicine to like kind of calm Milo down. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they could give me the spinal tap and then go in and have a C-section and get him like out. And luckily it did not get out of place. I was perfectly numb. I would have been terrified. <laughs> it was not That's fun. like giving me anxiety just hearing it. Like, I'm just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, not fun. And I'm just like you. Like, anybody who sits there and they're like, oh, pregnancies, like, like, Kourtney Kardashian, for example. Mm-hmm. This crazy girl freaking thinks that, like, pregnancy is just the most beautiful thing and that she just loves being pregnant. And, like, I had moments where, like, like, I connected with Milo. Like, I really, like, enjoyed, like, being pregnant with him. But they were just moments. It wasn't the whole time. Like, pregnancy was, it, it's shitty. And it was, like, summertime, and I was hot, and I was large, and yeah, <laughs> it was just uncomfortable. And all the anxiety of, like, worrying about my baby. And then after having him and all of these things and it's just like it's it's just a lot to go through and oh gosh oh I'm just getting like heebie-jeebies just thinking about like pregnancy and delivery (laughs) again because while I didn't while I didn't have like near what you talked about I didn't experience anything like that I did um I had like I was induced both times and what I don't I don't know if you were induced or not yeah I was my yeah two weeks late Oh, really? Oh, wow. So I was, um, I went a little bit overdue, just a few days overdue with Kinsley. And they ended up inducing me uh, because of complications that were happening with her. And then I was induced early with Sawyer because of all the complications that had happened in my pregnancy with her. Um, But induced labor is no joke. <laughs> it is like so much more intense than natural labor because they're forcing your body to do that before it's ready. And um, it, it's just, it's just awful. But both times I did it unmedicated, no epidural. Um, and it was just like, it was intense. It like, at, the, at that point, it's like an extreme desire to not get an epidural if, you're gonna, <laughs> if you'd rather go through pushing out both babies. Uh, Kinsley was eight pounds, nine ounces, and Sawyer was eight pounds, six ounces. Oh, geez. So pushing them out and going through those induced contractions just to not have to experience a needle. I dedication. Roll their eyes at me. but That's dedication um, to your fear, for sure. After... All of that happened with my delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, I just, the nurse came in, and I was still, like, super heavily medicated. And she just kind of, she was, like, the lactation nurse. So mm-hmm. she just kind of gave Milo to me. And she's like, okay, nurse him. And I just kind of, like, did in this hazy, foggy, you know, like, moment. Like, I have no idea what's going on. And he just, like, latched perfectly, and then we, like, fell asleep, and it was just, like, every, like, weird feeling I had about it or weird, like, 
preempted thought I had about it. it. I don't know. Like, it just, like, seemed natural to me. So we just kept doing it. See, for me, it was, like, it was it was a little different. So I didn't even know, like I said, about breastfeeding until, like, halfway through my pregnancy with Kinsley. I realized that that was a choice I needed to make um, if I was going to formula feed her or breastfeed her um, or that it was a choice in general. Like, I always just assumed formula. But anyway, so I was doing my research about it, and I was dreading it because I don't like to have my nipples touched. So I was like, if I don't, if I already don't even like, like, I don't even like it when my clothes brush up against them. How am I going to nurse a child? Right. (laughs) Like, that's the only way to nurse them Um, is like, you can't nurse a baby without them touching your nipples. So (laughs) I was like terrified I was dreading it and then I had Kinsley and um, she had a tongue and lip tie that I I didn't even know that that existed like she's my first baby so I didn't even know to have that checked for so she shredded my nipples they were literally just scabs Milo had that too Really? Oh, well, it prevented her from getting a good enough latch. So my nipples were just scabbed for like seven months until she grew out of it. Aww. Because when I would tell her pediatrician, like she's still breastfeeding, but this is what's going on. Um, I don't know if her, her pediatrician just at the time wasn't like, didn't know to check for those things or like wasn't all that familiar with breastfeeding moms or something. Because it, it really isn't like... It wasn't that common anyway at the time for a mom to be breastfeeding, especially extended breastfeeding. So, um, but eventually she just grew out of it. With Sawyer, I knew to check for that right away. So they actually, she had a tongue, a tongue tie and they actually clipped it in the hospital before we ever, like she was only a couple hours old, um, which made it a lot easier um, with the nursing thing. But um so the, the medications that are safe for breastfeeding moms, a lot of them are like have antihistamine properties or are antihistamines. And um, that's not safe if you have bipolar um, depression. So it will exaggerate the symptoms of bipolar depression to take those kinds of medications. Oh, so you're um, trading one for the other? Yeah. So my doctor was basically like, there's, there's nothing medication wise that we can do for you. Um, or we could, but it's like, it comes at a great risk and, and it would basically be going against medical advice to try it at this point. So, um, that, that wasn't really an option. So it's not that I'm not against medication to be honest, more days than not, I wish I could take it because I know it would help. Um, but just for me, it's just not an option. And anytime I talk about my anxiety too, or talk about the fact that I'm unmedicated, I get tons of DMs. And, and to be honest, they irritate me so much because it's people saying like, well, have you seen a doctor? Are you, why won't you get on medication? You should be on medication if you're experiencing these things. Or if you don't want to take a medication, how about you try this CBD stuff that, that I take? And I'm just like, that is so insulting. Like, who, <laughs> right? who are you? You don't know my medical history. You know only what you're seeing in an Instagram post. And while I appreciate, like, 
that you might be concerned, um, that's not the way to go about expressing your concern because nowhere on my post did it say, hey, can you message me with what you think I should do about my anxiety? Right. Um, And people just, I think, feel so entitled to share their opinions when people share any kind of video or photo or message on the internet. You know, they're like, oh, well, you're sharing this, so I'm entitled to share my opinion. But in reality, like, you're not. You're just being a troll on the internet. <laughs> right. And some of those people are exploiting it. Like, like I've had people that have said, hey, I've tried this CBD stuff and it worked for me. I've had other people that, like, are multi-level marketers that sell these products and oh, they're like right. hey I saw that you have these anxiety issues I have this product do you want to check out my online store and it's like no I don't <laughs> I mean I really appreciate that like that's how you're making your living and more power to you but this is the absolute wrong approach yeah for for how to sell your products or try to sign somebody into your downline. Like maybe it works for some personality types, but to me, it just feels like you're trying to take advantage and that's gross. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I can't, I can't be medicated for a whole slew of reasons. Uh, but what I do is I've always kind of been pretty self-aware and I just practice staying self-aware. And so now, um, and I've educated myself a lot, like on my own with my doctor, with, um, a counselor, like what all of the possible symptoms are, what exactly are the symptoms that I have experienced? Um, what are some of the triggers that I can identify? I'm always working to identify the triggers and more triggers, how to curb it, how to be prepared for it. Um, Derek can pretty much tell at this point when I'm feeling super anxious and, um, he practices a lot of patience with me and I really, really appreciate, I mean, he is just like the model husband when it comes to dealing with this, but he gives me, he just gives me a lot of patience and a lot of support. Um, and so I practice being self-aware. I practice how I being self-aware of how I react to those triggers and things. Um, I try my hardest, like I'm, I'm not at all perfect and I don't always have a handle on it. So while I know that like the irritability is a symptom of like high anxiety, there are some times when I just walk away and I take a second to myself and that helps me. And then there's other times where, um, I don't like walk away like I should. And I just let it keep going until I explode. And then I kind of just have to be like a puppy with my tail between my legs and be humble and apologize <laughs> and um, and try again the next time, try to do better. Um, it sounds maybe silly, but I've also noticed that like any time that I'm outside for a while, it it like lifts my mood in general, which um, it doesn't like take away my anxiety, but it definitely curbs it. Like I'm not quite as irritable. Those are the days where I can make the right decisions to just like walk away, calm down or, um, whatever it is that I'm, I'm doing to kind of like avoid having an, an attack or an outburst. Um, so I think anybody sure will agree with that. Like being out in like even if it's like cooler, like it is now, like the sunshine mm-hmm. or just being outside it's, in the grass or 
it's that vitamin D. (laughs) It works. Um, So I do that. I go on a walk like every mid morning with Sawyer before her nap. Um, And that helps a lot in the days that we miss it. I can see like a huge difference. Um, So I don't know. Um, But yeah, it's mostly just that I could exercise more because I know like exercising is a natural release of endorphins, but I'm one of those people that just tells myself I don't have the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, exercising isn't really all that fun, but. And I don't. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) When I was going to the gym, like regularly with Milo, I would go like five days a week and we kind of had like a routine. I felt so much better. And I used to have a dog and I would walk the dog every time like Milo would take a nap. And Mm -hmm. back then I just felt so much better than I do now because now like I'm back at work full time and I moved from Nevada to Utah. So I no longer have my dog. He now has He's living with his best friend. Aww. Um, so they kind of took him over while I adjusted to moving and living here in Salt Lake. And But I don't know. Like, I kind of feel like I might want to get a dog or, um, like, even – I don't know if you listen to any other podcasts, but I love uh, Caitlin Bristow, and she used to be on The Bachelor. Well, she was on The mm-hmm. Bachelor, and she was The Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. And she got a dog she adopted, and his name is Ramen, and she, um, like, registered him as a, like, an emotional support animal. Oh. And now he can, like, fly with her. He can, like, live with her, stay in hotels, like, you know, wherever she, she owns her house, luckily. But, um, yeah, like, she rescued him from this, like, awful place in, like, Korea where oh. they were, like, uh beating and abusing dogs and they did it so the story was is that they get golden retrievers because golden retrievers are so forgiving and so loyal Mm -hmm. that the people would breed these golden retrievers and then like torture them and abuse them Um, and they would do that over and over and over again until they killed them and cooked them because they said the meat from an abused animal um like something happens when the animal is abused it releases some kind of you know like kind of like like an endorphin um into the muscles and through the bloodstream that makes the meat taste better and that's awful it's disgusting but they do it to golden retrievers um because no matter what you do to a golden retriever, they're just so tame and loyal and kind and loving that it was easier for them to do that to an animal like that than it would be to like a pit bull or a German shepherd that's going to like kind of stand up for itself. Right. Um, that is so awful. Isn't that gross? Yes. So she rescued her golden retriever, Ramen, from uh, Bunny's Buddies which is the rescue that goes over and saves these abused animals in Korea and Asia. Um, And then now she's like registered him. She paid for like all of his surgeries and to like get him back up and healthy again. But yeah, she registered him as like an emotional support animal. So I'm like, I'm kind of thinking I might want to do that because I felt so much better, like just going on like a 15, 10, 15 minute 
walk every day with a dog. Like, I don't know. That little part of the routine in my day, just being outside, playing with the dog, it just made me feel so much better. And I was so much happier back then, too. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we, like, discount it, how how much of a difference it can make, but it really can. We have two dogs also. One of our dogs is a rescue, and then one is a pug that Derek had had from a breeder. Um, but when we take them on our Sawyer and I take them on our walks when we go and it does like just just the exercise in general like it it does wonders for the dogs it does wonders for the humans like (laughs) you know and I probably like I said I probably should exercise more than I do and I'm sure it would help with some of the the symptoms that I experience um and then I read this article one time that said um, rubbing a dog's ear reduces anxiety by, like, some crazy percentage. It was, like, 86% in humans. And I'm, like, really? Like, rubbing a dog's ear. And then I thought about it, and I'm, like, what is softer besides, like, maybe right. a newborn bunny rabbit <laughs> than... That's what I was just going to say is it's like, probably, like, the soft texture. Ear. That's crazy. Maybe I'll have to try that. My dogs would probably be annoyed with me, though. <laughs> yeah, the but... next time you're feeling anxious, just, like, rub your dog's ear or, like, pet your dog and see what happens. See if you're part of that 86 or whatever percent it was. <laughs> um, the other thing that I started doing, too, was I stopped putting pressure on myself. Like, when I'm experiencing times of high anxiety – Um, I don't want to go to like social gatherings or really hang out with people or anything. Um, And it would cause more anxiety for me when I would know that like one of my friends was having um, like a party or like Memorial Day is actually a perfect example. So we got invited to like five or six Memorial Day cookouts. Oh, God. And that sounds miserable yeah and (laughs) and like previously I would have probably said yes to like the first two or three um or but bare minimum one and like forced myself to go I stopped doing that and I was just like if I don't want to go I don't want to go and if I'm going to force myself to go it's pretty much a guaranteed terrible anxiety day and probably terrible anxiety week just anticipating that day and I'm not going to do it to myself or do it to my family just for the sake of not hurting somebody else's feelings or keeping up appearances and then um prior also like if I would decline an invitation, I would come up with some kind of excuse for it. Mostly because, not because I'm really ashamed, but mostly because people just can't understand. Like I said, if you haven't experienced it, right, it's really, it's really difficult for you to understand. And I stopped doing that as well. And now I just tell people like, I'm sorry, but we're not going to make it. My anxiety won't let me. And I just leave it at that. And if they get upset or get their feelings hurt, which has happened on quite a few occasions, um, I'm really sorry that that I'm hurting your feelings. But 
uh, I have to prioritize myself and my mental health and my family first. And I just, I can't do that. Uh, and then also sharing it, like sharing it has been terrifying and it is so uncomfortable. Um, but just, talk, but talking about it is helpful at the same time. Like it is terrifying especially because people can find those posts that can't relate and can give a lot of hate and they do I've gotten hate messages hate comments just like what yeah oh yeah because they don't understand and so they're just like oh somebody should call CPS and protect your kids from you and like um or like they want to accuse you of lying because it's like a trending thing right now and exploiting it and like um telling you that you're you're awful because of the way that you choose to deal with it like like those dms about medication and stuff like some people are nice about it and some people are really nice and they say like hey i experienced this and then like i tried this and it and it worked for me maybe it would work for you but then there are some people that are just like you are just an awful person for not medicating yourself. Like, how dare you? Oh, my God. You're a danger to your family. You're a danger to society. And you should be medicated or committed. Um, Or there are people that make fun of it. And they're like, you know, look at you being a whining, crying baby. Like, why are you even talking about this stuff on the internet? That's so stupid. Like, who are these people? Trolls. Yeah. And and to be Jeez. honest, I don't I don't even care about it. I don't let it it doesn't get to me because I'm not insecure about it. I really believe that. Like the hate comments only get to you if it's something you're insecure about. And I'm not insecure about it. Um or my choices. Like I know why I've made my choices or why I handle things the way that I do and I know it's what's best for me and so I don't have any doubt about that and um those things don't really get to me but uh but yeah people like come after it and that can be like a roll your eyes headache type of thing and it can be terrifying because some of it will instigate more anxiety like when people threaten to call CPS right I'm a danger to my children and stuff like that. Like that's always in the back of my mind before I post. And I get threats about that quite a bit. Like there's been times that um, I've shared, like I share a little bit more in my Instagram stories than I do in my feed posts, but there have been times where I've talked about um, my paranoid anxiety in my feed posts or more hinted at it. And I've had people that have been like, you're going to end up being one of those women that kills your babies and, and I need to protect them from you. Um, and then I've, I've done like, there has been, there's only one time that, that I recorded a full blown panic attack, um, in my Instagram stories, but there's been other times where I've gone way more into depth and talked way more about it. And, I've gotten DMs that are just like, you are absolutely insane and should not be caring for your kids unsupervised. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. And it's just like, how do you even have the audacity to say something like that to someone? Like, that's not, that's not okay. And, um, I don't know, but I still, but it's still therapeutic to share it and, and to have, I think what's most therapeutic 
about it is that for every one of those nasty messages or comments that I get, I get like 30 that are just the complete opposite. Yeah, there has to be more good than bad. Oh, yeah, there absolutely is. And most of it um, is people saying like, I experienced this too. Thank you for sharing it because now I understand like that it could be a symptom of this other thing or now I could like approach my doctor about it or you gave me the courage to um, talk to my husband or my friend or something um, or they've already talked about it and they've been diagnosed but they're just like thank you for letting me know that I'm not alone and and they're while they're thanking me and saying, hey, you let me know that I'm not alone, they're kind of doing, or not kind of, they are doing the same thing for me, letting me know that I'm not sharing it for no reason and that I'm not alone either. Yeah. And that, um, and that goes a really long way because when you're in the middle of experiencing those kinds of anxiety issues, I'm sure that you can relate to this at least to some degree, it is so isolating. And even if, like, the logical thing is that you know other people experience this and, like, logically you know that it'll go away at some point, whether it'll come back or not doesn't matter. It will go away. You will have some relief at some point and and other people are experiencing it. You're not the worst person in the world. You're not the first person to deal with these types of things. While you're in the thick of it, in the middle of it, it can feel like... No one, like, no one has experienced this before. No one understands. Yeah, like, really isolating. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, or you can think, like, your symptoms are the most extreme. And and so you should be scared to talk about that. That, like, um, especially with the paranoid stuff, it's, like, you hear about these other things with anxiety and kind of, like, just the term anxiety in general has um, become used enough that kind of people have become desensitized and they know that the, that anxiety might be a thing and they know that like anxiety medication exists but anything beyond like those two simple statements they don't really understand so right. you might be able to say like oh yeah sometimes I get heart palpitations and like I have an anxiety attack where like I feel really really anxious and um and people might be like oh okay like that's what anxiety is and um but they don't actually know what it feels like to have that attack and like the other types of anxiety like the extreme fear of social interactions or the paranoid anxiety that I was talking about and these other like more extreme symptoms um less people understand that it's talked about way less often and so it's easy to to think like when you're in the middle of experiencing those things like no one else is experiencing it quite to this degree and I'm the only person and no one will ever understand me and maybe I shouldn't share it and it's too dangerous to talk about and what's going to happen to me if I admit it um those types of things but but overall the sharing in general has has helped me Absolutely. Yeah, even though there's trolls out there or people who just don't understand, I think no matter what, if you're sharing something like what you are, there's always going to be more good that comes out of it. And I don't know, I think anybody, especially like in the day and age that we live in, no matter if, you know, you have a Facebook or Instagram or if you are 
you know, creating content like on a podcast or for YouTube, um, there's always going to be like internet trolls out there. Mm-hmm. And I think we just all have to find a way to like kind of block them out and just continue striding in our missions. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, for all the people who are not internet trolls, go ahead and tell um, my listeners where they can find you on YouTube and Instagram and any kind of other platforms you might have. So I I do only have YouTube and Instagram right now. And um, you can find me on YouTube. My channel is called Loving Life as Megan. And you can find me there for, um, I do like cleaning motivation videos and, um, I do some vlogs and day in the life types of videos, a lot of decluttering and organizing. And, and then my Instagram is also called loving life as Megan. And there's just like a period between each word because that was the only handle available for it. Um, And my Instagram is where I share most of my postpartum anxiety um, things. But if you want to put like a face and kind of see like my home and everything, that's where you find me on YouTube. Definitely. And then I will also leave those links um, in the show notes below. So everybody go follow or subscribe um, on whatever platform you're visiting uh, to Megan. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you for being my guest today. I might just break this up and do like two parts. Okay, cool. (laughs) Whatever works. Today's episode of the Mommy Wines podcast was brought to you by NakedWines.com, Zaya Active, and Coffee Over Cardio. Do you love the show? Show your support by shopping the Mommy Wines podcast merch store at teespring.com or by becoming a monthly supporter of the show by clicking the support button at anchor.fm backslash mommy wines, or you can use the support link in the show notes below. Have you been wanting to start your own podcast? Join the MW Podcast Network. All info on the MW Network, merch, partnerships, coupon codes, episodes, blog posts, and so much more can be found at themommywines.com. As always, thank you for listening, and until next week, wine moms, parent and drink responsibly.